Online Parent Connection. Supported by the Gibney Foundation and brought to you by the National Federation of the Blind. Hello listeners, welcome to the Blind Parents Connection. This is Anil Lewis and I'm here with my buddy, David Dino Terrence. All right, we're just two blind dads sitting here talking about being good blind parents. We want to thank the Gibney Foundation for really providing the support for us to continue to put these podcasts together to educate blind parents or potential blind parents and also the public around the capacity of, of blind parents. Absolutely. Anil, on today's episode, we have uh, some amazing interviews discussing child-proofing homes as well as playing inside and outside. Some great ideas, strategies, techniques, and stories that I'm sure the listeners are going to find really interesting. Yeah, and I'm glad that we're having this opportunity to really talk about the child-proofing piece because I think that one of the biggest obstacles that blind parents have is society's perception that children are not safe in our care. Uh, so you'll notice that through some of the, the segments we have here that it's not too foreign to what sighted parents would do. In our first uh, interview, Lakeisha Holmes, she is absolutely amazing. She's a mom of a, se- a 17-month and a 2-month-old, and she provides some great strategies on how she child-proofs her home. And, and that's certainly a great question, Neil. People are always wondering, well, are my ki- are, is your child going to be safe or are my kids going to be safe if they come to your house? Yeah, so let's take a listen to what Lakeisha has to say. Yes, yeah, so for my 16-month-old, we have outlet covers that we put into the outlet um, because he's, he's curious at this age, and so he wants to see what everything does. Um, so we make sure we have all the outlets covered so that he won't, get the urge to stick his fingers in there. Um, we also have cabinet um, locks. He's going through a phase where he wants to play with all the Tupperware and pots and pans, and so we lock the cabinets so they're not as easy for him to open. And those are the two methods that we use um, for him. And they're pretty good methods because they, he doesn't know how to take off the lock and he doesn't know how to pull the outlet covers out. So um, they come in handy. I, I love that the strategy she's talk, talks about here are just the same strategies any parent would use. Uh, <laughs> but I need to warn her that she says he doesn't know how to take off the locks. That's yet. <laughs> it will become a time when he's able to take those locks off and she's going to have to de- develop some new strategies. I think, uh, Neil, one time my, my son set it up so I couldn't figure out how to open it. <laughs> There you go. So, and the student becomes yeah, the teacher. Exactly. And the child exactly. becomes the parent. That's yeah. when I just got rid of the locks completely when the, he had outsmarted me. There you go. And I love the fact that, you know, this is really talking about how uh, in this environment, although it's a blind parent, still encouraging the child to explore their environment. And I think that's important to state as well. Children are busy. They're curious and they love to explore. And we have to identify ways to allow them to do that in a, a safe and and productive and positive environment. Yeah, absolutely. And and Bradley O'Connor has some other suggestions that uh, parents can use to help child-proof their house. One way I've kept a lot of things safe is I have a very child-proofed apartment. It's a very open sort of format, so we can't put like a gate on the kitchen. So anything that's below, like on his level, any drawer has a magnetic lock on it that you open with like a magnet key which I have loved because then I don't, I just don't have to worry. Uh, and it's, again, as they get older, it's less of an issue. But uh, when he was little, I never had to worry about him figuring out how to open the lock or 
anything like that because he get he couldn't get into them. So I could, you know, shower, do other things, and not have to stress so much. Awesome, Briley had some really good ideas there. That you know, I love the fact, Daniel, that there's high tech and low tech ideas and strategies and tools that that people use. My, my kids, um, you know, now they're twenty, eighteen, and, and fifteen. We didn't have any high tech magnetic. Uh, locks or things like that, but um, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, I don't know anything about magnetic locks, and a lot of things that you know parents use today weren't around when I, I was a kid. We, we didn't have outlet covers when I was a little baby. Of course, I used them as a parent of a, I mean, as a blind parent, I used the outlet covers and some of the things they talked about. The cabinets we had had the little bitty push locks on them, not magnetic. So we are really advancing into that space. Well, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, glad. I know when uh, my my wife and I we got married and started having kids, we started getting those little those little uh, uh, covers for the light sockets, and they're really good because you know, Anil, I I was the little guy, you know, I was the explorer, and you know, I I wanted to see what happened when my sister told me that it was okay to put a penny in the light socket. Maybe we should move on to Lakeisha. <laughs> Probably and, a good idea. And how she talks about some ideas for keeping her kids safe. Sounds like a good idea. Um, so my son has a play area that he comes to play in, um, in front of our house and he has all the toys here. So what we have to keep him secure, we have baby gates and the entrances so that he can't come out of them. Um, his play area has a green, uh, has green flooring. And so if we hear him and we feel like he's not on the green flooring, we'll just say, get back on the green, get back on the green. And he knows that. And so he just have certain terms that we use with him and also with him that he needs to communicate with us in order for us to know where he is to make sure he's safe. Again, another example of of really good strategies that blind parents can use, you know, the whole get on the green, I I think that's cute. Probably going to be raising a football player with that type of talk. But if the child steps out of that play area, that there's some noise that's different or some added noise that allows Lakeisha to understand that he's going outside of the, the boundaries that she has set for him to play. And that cues her. Uh, one of the things that I used to do when I was uh, raising my son as a toddler, uh, he would be walking around, and uh, you know I'd have some guests over, and I'd just have to yell out to him, "Amari, will you please come in here so I can tie your shoes?" And uh, he'd walk in, and people would see his shoes were untied, and they were wondering how I knew that his shoes were untied. And it was because those little plastic tips on those little baby shoes, you could hear them hitting the linoleum yeah. on the kitchen floor. So picking up on sounds. Is a very good thing, a very good strategy, a skill set that blind parents use to keep their kids safe. Absolutely. And I, I will hear next from Jennifer Thay. You know, she'll talk about the, the same thing. And, you know, Jennifer is a mom of three, an amazing, an amazing individual. And she talks about how when, you know, things are quiet, she knows her, her kids are up to something. And then as, you know, they get older, as kids get older, their, their boundaries expand. Mm-hmm. And so they'll move, as Lakeisha was saying, they'll move from the, the green to be able to go further and further away. And, and using, as blind people, we use those different cues and, and um, we grant more um, ability as, as they develop, we develop trust. At home, you know, as you can hear in the background, um, our kids are loud. And if they're not being loud, and that's a pretty good indicator of they're up to something. something or in, yep, they're into something they don't have any business being into. And so then we figure out what's going on and go from there, you know. And my youngest has these nifty little shoes 
that squeak when she walks. They're called pip squeakers. Um, and so as long as she's got those shoes on, there's no hiding for her. I, I love the pip squeakers. It's just nice seeing those kids walk around. Squeak, 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 squeak. But, of course, it's one of those kind of temporary solutions, right, because sooner or later the kids are going to understand how to take those shoes off and uh, sneak around, which I really love because uh, it just shows that, you know, the kids are growing and learning and, you know, really testing their boundaries just like any other child would. Using different strategies to adjust and to adapt and to overcome. Our next piece, Anil, we have Adelmo Vihil who's a dad and a granddad, absolutely amazing individual. Yeah, he's a great guy. He, he also talks about the importance of, of using listening and using cues. Let's give that a listen. Mm-hmm. I use my hearing for a lot of things. I mean, they, sometimes they would be in the room and, and I'd say, what are you guys doing in there? Nothing, Dad, nothing. And I'd tell them, well, that sure is a noisy nothing. <laughs> Yeah, because I knew that they were up to something, and then they would stop because they knew that I was probably going to be headed down there to the room. That that sure is a noisy nothing. I love that. That's a classic line, and I think that every parent can relate to that, blind or otherwise. Uh, I think we've been talking a lot about childproofing the environment that kids play in in the house. But I don't want people to think that we create some type of false prisons for our children. We We recognize that it's important for the kids to play. Uh, but we recognize that we want to make sure that before they play that they're in a safe space. So um, just leveraging what we've talked about around safe and child-proofing toward the goal of allowing students to play, there are some other ideas that many of the blind parents share with us around how they help uh, create nice, fun playing experience for their children. Uh, Jennifer is going to share some great uh, tips on um, playing just regular games as well as adapting some games so her and her family could have fun. It is so great that we have uh, some ideas from uh, Jennifer and, and talking just about how some things are just fun and that you don't have to adapt games. It's just things that everyone plays with. Yeah, you know, um, like with my youngest, she has things like shape sorters and blocks and that sort of thing. And, you know, with a shape sorter, you can you can tell which shape goes where. And with blocks, it's, at her age, it's all about just stacking and knocking things down. Oh, yes, the joys of setting things up and knocking them down. Right. Oh, and I, I used to love playing with uh, dominoes and lining them up and knocking them down and Legos. I just used to love to to build stuff and build the tallest I could build it and just knock it down. I just mm-hmm. love doing that. Yeah, it's just, it's nice that, you know, again, people think that blind parents need some degree of intervention to allow their kids to play, and we're just playing with the same toys that any other kids would be playing with. Uh, I, I also think that it's important to understand kind of an added benefit uh, around being a blind parent and the techniques we use to make sure that kids can play in a safe environment. Micah is another proud parent of two kids, and she has some really good information to share. It's sort of a perk of a blind of being a blind parent that, like, I'm very involved in my kids' playtime. Um, you know, everybody wants their kids to play independently sometimes, and, and that's true of, of both my boys too. But uh, I'm always trying to be, you know, on the floor with Finley and making sure that he's not eating shoes or eating cords or whatever else he wants to eat. Uh, You know, so just making sure that I'm I'm involved in playtime and 
for Logan, now it's knowing who his friends are and making sure that his friends are invited to our house. And I talk to his friends, and my, his friends know who I am, and I know who they are. That's a, an important thing for, for any parent, but especially a blind parent, to know uh, who your kid's with and you know, to be able to familiarize yourself with those, those people because I'm not going to you know, glance down the street and see whether Logan's with his friends or with some other random person, but I can still know who he's with and know who's, which kids are coming into my house and, and running around and stuff like that. So uh, we try to give our kids a lot of playtime. I think playtime in, in general is, is very important, um, and we try to make sure that we are very involved in that, and because we're so involved in that, we can make sure that the kids are safe. I love the way that Micah kind of describes the, the intimacy of play, uh, that's created by a blind parent's need to really have hands-on, you know, experience with their child's play, um, you know, showing them and demonstrating to them physically how to use the different devices and then monitoring that play uh, through that hands-on. It, it really is, like she said, a, a, a tangential benefit to being a blind parent of a child. The, the other thing I really like about what she says is just sensitizing uh, the playmates, her child's playmates around, you know, blindness so she talks about getting to know them and understanding them so she knows who her kids are, who her kids are playing with which i think any parents is going to do that's a responsible parent but i love the fact that in doing that she's also educating the playmates around blindness you know it's so, sometimes so much easier to educate children than adults because they're not afraid to ask the questions that adults are embarrassed to ask so that's really again another benefit she she's really sensitizing all of her our, her kids playmates to understanding blindness and the capacity of blind people as well. Isn't that great? And, you know, my mom would say that, uh, show me who your friends are and, uh, and I'll tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that, you know, she's, um, you know, playing with her kids and then getting to know who her kids' friends are, that's really great. And, and then those kids are going to go home and they're going to, they're going to say, yeah, and I was, just to Mrs. Mrs. B's house, and you know she's blind, and you know mm-hmm. she cooked us lunch, and do you know that she she knew when 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 you know Jimmy did this? Yeah, just normalizing the whole experience, and yep. I think that's important. That 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 peripheral education. Uh, we have another dad that we talked to around being a good blind parent, uh, Sean Calloway, proud pop of his little daughter. You, you can hear it in his voice when he talks about how he interacts and plays with her. So let's take a listen. Well, one of the things, especially with my daughter, I am my daughter's play partner. Uh, I mean, she's the only child. <laughs> so, so, so when I come home, it's, it's, you know, one of the things we like to do, uh, you know, and I, I thank God for Netflix and Hulu and things of that nature because these are accessible tools for me, uh, accessible apps where we can just turn on and watch a little audio-described audio Martian the Bear yeah. Uh, Barbie Dream House, uh, you name it. There are a lot of uh, uh, audio described movies and cartoons that my daughter and I can watch together. Um, that is uh, that is a big joy of mine to sit down with her and we can enjoy something together. Um, also, we like to do like play with different toys. I, you know, Legos. Uh, I have to be sort of the. Uh, uh, the, the, I have to play with dolls as well, so you know we 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 do it all. Um, you know, like I said, uh, she's the only child, and so when I come home, it's it's all about my daughter, and um, so we we do we we do a lot of play, a lot of play playing with toys, a lot of watching of uh, videos and movies and things of that nature. I love the way that 
again, as I said, you can hear the love that he has in his voice around his daughter and playing with his daughter. But I love the way he highlights also the benefit of just accessibility. Yes. Uh, talking about Hulu and Netflix, you know, the, for those of you who don't know, just being able to, to use the remote control to bring up the various shows uh, has, has been a tremendous benefit to blind individuals to make sure that that particular experience is accessible. Yeah. And then he also mentioned audio description. So I love the fact that as he's watching Barbie, you know, with his daughter, the audio description is telling him about the action that's going on on the screen so he can really be engaged with watching the video with his daughter. So I really love the way he highlighted that. So just different tools that allow us to be be really good parents. And I love, the, like I said, the way he expresses that in his particular statement. You know, Neil, every Friday night, um, and then as my kids get older, it, it, it's happening less frequently. But every Friday night was comedy night at our house, mm-hmm. and we'd, we'd have um, we'd have pizza and wings. And then at, at eight o'clock, you know, we, we'd pick a, a comedy movie to watch. And then when I was started to be able to use the 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 remote control with the accessible guides and and the you know Apple TV and mm-hmm. the different apps that he was mentioning, then, then I get to you know select the movies too and. And so that was just just family time together, yeah. you know, either, you know, being outside or being inside, just being together. So important. Mm-hmm. And I love that blind parents also, you know, with the play dates and getting all the other kids to come over and that kind of thing. That's important, too. We're not living our lives in isolation. So we want to make sure that our kids have the same experience to interact with their peers the same way, you know, other kids do. And our next clip really provides some, um, I think, out-of-the-box thinking about how to do that. Her name is um, Louise Walsh, and she is an amazing mom. Let's give that a listen. I try to have regular play groups at my house, and I might invite half a dozen people, and if one person shows up, I consider that a win because it's a way to just get to know people, and the more people you know, the richer life becomes. It is the network that will eliminate the legwork, and she's creating a, a, a great network. And she maybe I'll, I'll invite six people, but only one or two show up. She's still creating a, an opportunity for her kids to play and to learn and to grow, and um, that is a rich life. Yeah, and again, that's just another example of how just allowing those other playmates to interact in that environment helps us go that much further toward educating, you know, these upcoming leaders in this world that blindness is not something that detracts from someone's capacity. So really like that. Really like that. Our next clip, Anil, is from Ashley Wayne. Ashley uh, has uh, two kids. Um, one is blind and one has cerebral palsy, she shares. And she um, loves to... Uh, come up with different ways for her kids to fit in and not sit out. Let's give that a listen. Mm-hmm. We actually just got a bunch of uh, games for Christmas that my kids love to play. My daughter loves to play Connect Four, and that's a very oh, I love Connect game. Four. And Tic-Tac-Toe, we, we play that a good bit. She loves those type of things. We have a, a trivia-type game called Freeze Up that, uh, you know, it's an audio, like, talking game, and uh my son likes to play that too and it's very the buttons are very large so he can interact with that pretty very easy. Cool. they like to play tag hide and seek typical kid games yep. again another example of how the same games 
you know, that you would just be playing with your kids, period, as a parent, blind or sighted, are the same games. And um, some may require a little bit of a modification, but not very many of them. Talking about the whole litany of potential games that you can play, uh, Melissa Riccobono and the Riccobono family, they really do love playing a lot of different games, and we get to hear what, you know, the the litany, the, the short list of the many games that they get to play at the Riccobono household. We love playing card games, board games, Scrabble, Boggle, Monopoly, uh, Exploding Kittens, Arari. I mean, just we have two cabinets pretty much full of games. Right. Um, and we love we love that. My son particularly loves playing chess, and I'm not a chess player, but his dad is, so um, they they will play. Um, he That's also cool. really loves this game, um, Stratego, which is all about strategy. Again, I'm not that great at it, but his dad is really good at it, so they they will play that um, fairly often. Again, that that was an extensive list of games, and uh, you know many of them out of the box you may be able to use, but sometimes uh, like cards, we, we we've added braille to cards to allow them to be accessible. Melissa mentioned chess. Uh, I know that the chess boards usually have the uh, tactile squares on the chess board, and all the pieces are tactile. I mean, you can tell the difference between a rook and a king and a pawn just through the touch. And based on the color, I've seen in some chess sets what happens is there's a little slice off of the top of one of the color sets that's a little different, so you can also distinguish what color the pieces are. So it's really easy in many instances to modify many of the existing games out there so that they are now visually accessible to allow blind parents to play with their kids. So, Neil, I remember um, my mom, we had the game Connect Four and um, mm -hmm. black and red checkers. And my mom would just use, um, she just put a, a piece of masking tape on, on some of the, you know, she'd scrunch it a little and a piece of masking tape on, um, you know, the the red checkers. And then I was able to feel which ones were mine and my sister would, was and we were able to play Connect Four. And it was just, all, all it was was a piece of tape. That's all it took was a piece of tape that mm -hmm. allowed me to play. So, you know, I love the question, what's a little thing that we can do that'll make a big difference? And that just little tape made a big difference for me to, play that game and, you know, label the washing machine and do lots of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, we, we don't want people to think that, you know, the only place that blind parents can have fun with their kids is in the house. You know, we, we also enjoy, you know, going outside of the house to have playtime with our kids as well, which, which brings into play a, a little different skill set, but we're still able to do it in an effective way that creates enjoyment for our kids and for ourselves, for our whole family. Absolutely. It's a big world out there, and we, we just can't um, be afraid to, to you know, stay, we have, stay inside. And so people always wonder, well, how are you going to take care of your kids, or how are you going to help them have as many different experiences and do things and go places? And, and I think uh, our next clip, Melissa really uh, provides some, um, some, some strategies and, and uh, even gave me some confidence to uh, want to travel outside. You know, Baltimore has a lot to do, and so we love taking advantage of that when we can. Um, Baltimore Book Festival, we, we went there this fall. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different things, museums and the Science Center, the aquarium. We were actually aquarium members for a while, so we could go to the aquarium pretty much whenever we wanted to. And um, my kids loved 
doing that, and there's actually a pretty nice accessible aquarium app that sort of lets you know where you are in the aquarium, gives you info on the exhibits. So my daughters, my, my two daughters are also blind. Um, I forgot to mention that, but my daughters and I can use that. Um, that's really nice. Example how, how technology allows blind parents to really interact and engage in the different environments. And I would uh, venture to say that the same app that Melissa's referencing here I bet you there were many sighted parents as well who would benefit from the information that's made available because, you know, if, you know, taking your, your child to an aquarium, you want to make sure that they don't think that dad's not so bright because he doesn't know the difference between a hammerhead shark and a, a whatever. See, I'm already showing my ignorance. I need the app right now just to do it. So <laughs> A jellyfish. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I just love the fact that, you know, the technology that we're talking about is technology that hopefully will help everyone and that it, it creates an opportunity for blind parents really to get their kids engaged in the environment outside of the house as well. Absolutely. We, I love the thought, access equals success. And when we can access the same information, we can have the same experiences and do the same things and go become the person that we desire to become. You know, Anil, um, our next clip, Brylou Connor talks about something that uh, is really um, something that's become really popular. It's kind of an outdoor-indoor. Yep, it, it's, it's, an, it's an outdoor-indoor playground, and it's, it's uh, loud, and there's lots of people. Um, and I'm sure people are wondering, well, how's, how would a blind person, you know, take care, supervise, watch their kids there? She gives them some great tips. Let's give that a listen. We do indoor play parks. That's our big thing here in the wintertime. Sure, yep. Um, so with those bounce houses and gyms, uh, those are actually in some ways a little bit more challenging than yes. outdoor, keeping track of them outdoors. Any and, strategies you can share for that? Um, so initially when you go somewhere, find out what the exit points are. So if there, is there a potential for bolting? If there is, hang out by an exit. You know, park yourself there. Climb right. through the structure with them the first couple of times. Um, which they will probably want you to do anyway to get an idea of where things can be. Kids love their parents, especially when they're little. Uh, and you are the keeper of the food. You have the snacks. You have the things they want. So they're going to come back, you know. Absolutely. So I tend to park it at a table near the big play structure. Um, my husband is a little more nervous than me. I'm a, I'm a little bit more of a chill personality in some ways. So I'm not as much, I don't climb in there as much with him as he does, but Corb feels more comfortable doing that, which is everybody's, you know, everyone has a different comfort level. I've found that Silas can't, doesn't stay away for too long. And if I get worried, I'll just walk around the big structure and go, Silas, where are you? And he'll hear me and go, I'm up here, Molly. Okay, good. Well, you're still in there, then we're fine. There you have it, the key to being a successful parent and making sure that you're controlling your kids. Just remember that you have the snacks. <laughs> I love that. That's really kind of those um, uh, answers to every question when you're talking about your children. They will come back to you as long as you feed them. Uh, I love the fact that she talks about how um, she thinks it's a great idea to go through the the little play areas with the kids, but then she says that she doesn't do that, that she lets Corb do that part. So she's right. Everybody to their own strengths and their own abilities. Uh, you know, and we all, you know, play in, in different ways. Uh, we, we've been hearing about watching videos and we've been hearing about board games and uh, we've been hearing about going to the aquarium. Our next clip is something that, 
you know, I love doing and I've had a lot of fun and taking my family camping. And boy, uh, Adelmo, he really tells just a, a great story uh, about uh, taking his family camping in the old. Well, back in uh, 1985, we bought a pop-up trailer, a camper. And, uh, of course, uh, I not the driver. My wife is a driver. But my <laughs> wife said to me, she goes, man, the things you make me do. <laughs> because uh, she never even dreamed that she'd be pulling a trailer uh, to go camping in. Yeah. Right. And so we would, uh, you know, hook up the trailer and we'd go up to the mountains and go do some camping. We, one of the things about my wife and I is that we always seemed, and to this day, we always seem to adopt kids. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had this uh, a couple of kids, uh, brothers, two brothers. One of them was in my third grade class, and two years before he was in my class, his dad had gotten, to, well, he had gotten hit by a car and passed away. Mm-hmm. The year that he, he, this boy was in my classroom, he, his mom got hit by a car and passed away. We took those kids, they were two Navajo children, we took them under our wing pretty much, and they spent a lot of time with us. I mean, the grandfather would come and drop him off sometimes, didn't even check to see if it was okay with us. I mean, he just dropped him off. They just assumed that it was okay, and mm. it was. You know, we would mm-hmm. take him. And we'd take these kids camping with us, too, yeah? And so our children and, and uh, two boys and those two boys, they became like brothers. And so we'd go camping and we'd set up the tent. We'd set up the where they were going to sleep or the trailer, you know, where we were all going to be. And we'd start setting up the table and everything else once we set it. My wife, basically, her only duty was to drive the truck and get us there and then me and the boys would work on setting it up and of course she did too but you know she didn't have to worry about saying well i got to do this i mean she did a lot of the cooking and then you know in the evening we'd start a little fire and we'd have hot dogs and things like that we'd like to go hiking we'd like to go out and walk and enjoy nature and i did that at night I played the guitar, you know, and my wife and I and the and the boys would sit there and we'd uh, sing. Uh, we always sang gospel, and so we'd sit there and sing and you know have a good time. Uh, that was really one of our main hobbies. And because of that, our son, our oldest son, him and his boys, uh, there's two sons. And my nine-year-old granddaughter now is starting to sing, but uh, my son has a band. Really? And they go out and play, and uh, they uh, go out and play different places. And my two oldest sons are on that band, and they're they're really excited about it. And uh, just a couple of weeks we were there, and we were singing, and he said, he told the people, his fans on Facebook, he said, this is what started us, listening to mom and dad singing, and us singing and, and playing the guitar and, you know, just having a good time, family time. And and that's powerful, family time. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not about blindness or being sighted. It's about family time. And I, and I love in the description of his camping that he describes how he 
I think he said adopted, but you know, really just brought in some kids that weren't his kids, um, which speaks to, to two really powerful things in my opinion. One is that blind people have the capacity and the heart, right, to be part of that whole broader community and sure. love other kids, but even more so the fact that the degree of his competence as a parent uh, was really reflected in the other um, guardian's ability to let their kids be with him and his family. Um, so I, I think that that's a really a true testament to, you know, our desire to live in the world and be fully participating members of society and just be good, good neighbors in our communities. Adelmo is a, was a school teacher and a, uh, just a, just an amazing individual. And, you know, he told stories of, of just, you know, encouraging his, his family and encouraging other kids. And I, I remember my mom, um, she told me, you know, when I was growing up, Hey, you, you, my, you know, you gotta be a go-getter. You gotta be a go-getter. And then she got older. And then she said to me one day, and you know, she says, you know, Dave, I, I think I might have been wrong. I said, well, what do you mean, mom? What were you wrong about? She remember I told you and your brothers that you had to be go-getters. I said, yeah. She said, I, I think it's it's just as important that you're go-givers. That's nice. That's nice. And that's really who we are as an organization, too. We try to make sure that we empower blind individuals with the skills, you know, to be competitive, we say, in, in some environments, but really more importantly, to be fully participating members of society, live, work, and play among all our other neighbors. And that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that as we empower them with that skill set, the benefit of our organization is that those individuals then are also inspired to give back so a lot of what we do is not just us helping ourselves selfishly but us helping each other to grow and then encouraging each other to give back to that next generation of blind individuals and if we keep doing this right you know who knows connect with us follow us on twitter and instagram at nfb underscore voice and follow us on Facebook by searching for National Federation of the Blind. This has been the Blind Parents Connection, supported by the Gibney Foundation, and brought to you by the National Federation of the Blind.